Welcome to Words Matter Podcast here in extension of First Baptist Church Seminole, where our staff get together and we discuss topics from Sunday morning sermons, church issues, special issues that are going on in our church, and you'll actually get to hear from some of our church members as well at some point. So we're glad to be here with you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, just some quick introductions. I'm Josh Pollock. I will be here every week. I am the youth pastor here at First Baptist Church Seminole. Uh, to my right, we've got Pastor Nick. Howdy. We're finally doing it. We're doing a podcast. Yeah, he is very excited. I don't know if he's as excited as the man sitting across from him. Uh, Garrett Napier is with us this morning as well. Garrett. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, So this past Sunday, Pastor Nick is continuing the pastoral epistles um, uh, written through Paul. We were in 1 Timothy 1, 7 through 12. I'm trying to remember my... 12 through 18. 12 through 18. I'm a week behind. Yeah, 12 through 18. Yeah. Uh, the guy who builds this line is a week behind. We could talk about last week, but I don't remember last week. I only remember the one I just preached, and the, I barely remember that one. So The, the week before. Yeah, the yeah. guy who builds the slides is yeah. a week behind. Yeah. So, yeah, so the you know this week's message was um, one of those from the pastoral epistles, particularly in First Timothy, that was... One, you can really rally around some encouragement with it, just some deep encouragement, because the Apostle Paul, in these particular verses of his testimony, you know, he bookends this part of his testimony with thanksgiving and then ends it with doxology. And we focused on the thanksgiving part and what in particular he is thankful for. And he's thankful for grace. He's thankful for God's grace because he recognizes who he was, who he is now, not even just that he was a sinner and now is a Christian, but even more than that for the Apostle Paul, that he was a sinner who became a Christian and was commanded and appointed a task of being an apostle. So he just has just deep gratitude uh, in that. And so we just kind of celebrated that, that the, the grace of God never runs out. And then uh, this coming week, obviously, we'll get to um, the matter of doxology, the matter of thanksgiving, gratitude leads to worship. So. And just that natural response to that. And yeah. I think that's what Paul was getting at when he was sharing his testimony here. Um, you really built into that when it talked about all the grace that Paul had received and the, the, the different things that it brought about in his life, uh, being able to overflow into the areas of his life. Okay. So in the middle of your – I knew what you were preaching on prior to – I knew the passage you were preaching on, but I hadn't seen your sermon. And I, I remember we got halfway through it, and you were talking about grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. And I thought, man, we couldn't have picked a better song to respond. Yeah, with His mercy is more. Yeah, yeah. It, and one of the things that I think uh, is like that, like the song, um, "His mercy is more." I think in the context of church and the way we think about grace and the way we think about mercy, is we sometimes uh, merge those words to mean exactly the same thing, but there is a little bit of. Um, distinction in grace and in mercy. And the Apostle Paul kind of addresses that. He recognizes that it's the grace of God that pours out upon mankind. And if not for that grace of God and that generosity of God's character, then we would receive nothing from God. And it's manifested, his grace is manifested in mercy. And that mercy is most evidenced in Jesus Christ and his, and his sacrifice. And so there's grace um, and there's mercy. And, yeah, there's a little bit of overlap, but there is some distinction in those two words. 
And I think Paul hits that home really well when he talks, when he starts off this pastoral epistle as he's writing to the churches, is he presents Jesus full and foremost right mm-hmm. here. When he talks about Jesus came to save the sinners of, of which I am the most, I am the, saw himself that way. And then yep. he starts these off with that. that so verse 15, um, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. I, I, I just found out... Uh, my father-in-law passed away in December, and I just found out that that was his favorite verse. I didn't know that. Um, and I, what I thought in that was that um, in thinking about my father-in-law's life is that is characteristic of who he was. Um, it was the fact that he understood his own sin nature and how unworthy he was. Um, and so the mercy showed to him led him to be um, really a, a very— a very good picture of what a servant to the church is. So 50, 50 plus years of service to the church. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he devoted his yeah. life to God's people. Um, and it was because he fully understood that he was a sinner and that God showed him great mercy yeah. um, through Christ. It reminds me of the uh, uh, the, the documentary Logic on Fire, the, the kind of the life and legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And his understudy is still alive. And his understudy was drawn close to his bed at uh, uh, at the time of his death. And he told his understudy, he said, uh, that what is said about me needs to be said in simple terms. Just remember, I am nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. And to hear somebody like the doctor say that, mm-hmm. uh, when you read the Apostle Paul, I am the worst. I live in a mindset and heartbeat of a gratitude. Um, it Paul does this amazing thing in the way that his rhetoric comes out in the scriptures. It's not always, I don't think he always wants it to be seen as his way of making an argument, but at the same time, the way it's received is almost like you're in a courtroom and the Apostle Paul, as he shares his testimony, you're sitting there and and you're you're in the audience and you're going, not only is he making a great argument, He's hitting me right between the eyes and forcing me to posture myself and recognize my own sin. And to see him with gratitude, it it really convicts me to go, do I have gratitude over my sin? So, I think that was, was, uh, for Paul especially, when he he looks at um, verse uh, 13, when he talks about himself, he says, I'm formerly a blasphemer, a a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy. That mm-hmm. he didn't see that in himself. He saw what God saw in him, and and he used that a lot to to share his testimony when it count, comes to that grace and mercy. Um, I had a lot of notes on that. That, that it does yeah. force you to think about who you are and the things that you've done, and and have I received that grace and mercy? And then it opens it up for for that. Yeah. And the response to that is. Now the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That um, that the response to God's mercy is is worship, adoration, and um, and just giving back to God that we you are who you said you are, and um, gets into your doxology. Yeah, side yeah, it gets into the doxology, and just the fact that the Apostle Paul would say uh, basically. Uh, the Lord is using me as an extraordinary example of patience. Yeah. Like it, there's almost a sense of 
comic relief in that, that the Apostle Paul would go, look at how awful I am, ha, ha, ha. And the Lord's using patience with me. Like, almost, he's, it's almost like he's saying, if, if God can have patience with me, he can have patience with anybody. So take that, receive it, church. And, he, and as he's writing to Timothy, he's like, hey, understand this. The Lord has so much grace and so much mercy that he would have patience with me. So remain steadfast, Timothy, because it's extraordinary what God will do with those he has appointed. And why is it that people like Dr. Lloyd-Jones or my father-in-law, I don't know if we can put them in the same category, but Paul, so these men who had a real understanding of their own depravity and the, and the um, we wouldn't look at any of those people and think, yeah, you were... You were in need of way more mercy than me. But they understood fully the amount of mercy that it, that was required. Hmm. You know, what makes them understand that differently? Yeah. Because I, I don't. I mean, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not there. I mean, I want to be, but... Yeah, you're too prideful to get there. You're not, you're not ready for that yet. <laughs> so, in, in But my, the Lord will be patient with right. you. So. Yeah. In my seminary class I'm, I'm taking in this Old Testament... It's, it's actually New Testament looking back at Christ in the Old Testament, and he goes through and he's listing Abraham and David and Isaac and Moses and Joshua and all these great Old Testament leaders who were looking to the Messiah, that they were saying that these were great men who were looking to one who was greater. And I think that's that's the evidence of a great leader, that they see themselves. Even the world looks on the outside and sees these are great leaders, these are great men. But on the inside, they're not looking to self because they see themselves. David saw himself you know, as unclean. And these men were still looking forward to the greater one who would come. And I think those people that you listed right there saw themselves as, as men and said, listen, I'm, I may be great to you, but somebody greater is, is coming as well. And I think Paul saw that as well. And just simply understanding your sin and, and the price, what it cost for your sin to be forgiven. I mean, there's, you, you just can't look at the Apostle Paul and ever make the argument that he didn't fully understand the cost, what God did, and how God's grace was poured out in the person of his son and the shedding of his blood that we might be forgiven of our sin. If, if that doesn't humble you, I think I may have said something like this in the sermon, that, you know, what is a Christian if not a spring of gratitude? Because if I can think about what Christ did and what it took to forgive me of my sin uh, and not be drawn to my knees and the posture of my heart not be full of gratitude, it's kind of hard to call yourself a Christian. Yeah, and that's one of the lessons in Celebrate Recovery. You get to the gratitude lesson, and, and it's when we look, when I look at my life and I see what God has done for me, the only proper response is gratitude for that. And then that that turns into service, uh, service to God's people, service to God's purposes. And I think it's important to make the distinction, and and this is where the podcast can be helpful because I didn't make this distinction in the sermon, but gratitude is different than saying thank you. Mm. You know, uh, thank you is what you say when somebody does something that kind of just appeals to you and, uh, you know, it meets a need or whatever— Gratitude is the very posture of your life. It's the way your heart expresses, the way your mind thinks, and your life is lived. Um, gratitude is one of those things that's kind of all-encompassing, and it it 
actually places your life and positions your life to live a certain way because of gratitude. You, so, you, for example, you hear about these, um, like if you watch these uh, documentaries about World War II people, and when they talk about their brothers and their brothers in arms, yeah. and what it was like going through, and how those guys came alongside them and helped them, all these years later, they're still living a life trying to make it count, trying to make it as the Apostle Paul would argue to walk worthy of the gospel. These guys are trying to make their life count because somebody came alongside them and did something amazing with them and for them. So their life is about giving back in such a way to make the point. I'm not just I'm not just going to say thank you and be done with it. I'm living a life of gratitude. Well, and I, th- I think that overflow, it actually transitions nicely into our anthem of the month, Brethren, We Have Met to Worship. Because the second verse, brethren, see the poor sinners round you slumbering on the brink of woe. Death is coming. Hell is moving. Can you bear to let them go? Yeah. And, and it's something that it does transform you because once you know you've got that grace and mercy that, that Christ has extended, you can't help but pour that out to somebody else. And I think yeah. that transitions into a great reason on why this anthem was selected, if you want to Yeah, Garrett, why, why, tell us, what, what are we doing each month? Why do we have to sing the same song Every do Sunday, you yeah, I, 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 you know what I'm, I'm. I'm just pushing on you, but uh, why are we singing? Why are we picking one song and singing that each Sunday of the month? So, so big picture, or this just this month? Big picture, okay, yeah. So um, sometimes, not always. Some of the songs that we sing through the whole month, we already know. A lot of people know, brethren. We have met to worship. Um, that's not an unfamiliar hymn, um, but some of the songs that we're singing are new. Um, and they are deep theological songs. Um, and so I would, I don't know that I could have articulated it initially when we first decided to do it, but then there were, an individual came to me after one of our anthems and said, um, you know, the first week we sung it, I really liked it. And it's a good song. And the second week I, we sang it, I started to love the song in a different way. And then the third week I paid attention to the words and I went, Man, this is mm-hmm. deep, and this is this is uh, impactful. And then the fourth week that he sang it, he said so all that combined. So I was singing it differently on the fourth week because I'd already worked it through in my head, and I'd read for three weeks. I'd read the words and how, and so um, repetition is a way of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so right, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna teach through repetition. Um, we're gonna we're gonna teach we're, we're, we the hymns that we know and love. We we tend to know and love them because we've sang them a lot, right? Those are the ones that would be considered, I guess, popular. And so uh, we want to give an opportunity for the church to learn a song and and learn uh, why we sing it, and, and giving that whole month affords us that. Yeah, and it's a way to teach. I mean, I, th- I like to say that. I, th- I, th- I see... I see church music in general as a way of teaching, Um not that it's not worship, it, it's most certainly uh, one of our most richest heritages of worship is singing. We see that all the way going all the way back in the Old Testament. But it's also a way of teaching. You know, of, of all the, so I don't know how many we've done now, maybe six or seven um, monthly anthems. Mm-hmm. The one that still resonates with me the most, and I, I'm sure that people could pick different ones, is um, uh, Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And the words of that particular hymn just they center me and humble me, and it's 
they're helpful to me, not just because they humble me, but they're helpful to me because they 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 cause me to be reminded that it anything spiritual and good that happens in me is because of Christ. So I, I think yeah. they're they're te- they're they're a way of learning as well as worshiping. Yeah, I would echo that. That that repeating helps, and and I will be honest, I didn't know, brethren, we have until we had sang it for the first time, probably two, three months ago. What? And we, I know, I know. So yeah. we have these anthems that I don't fully know, even as a church staff member. For a guy with a beard <laughs> that looks a little bluegrass himself, he didn't know that yeah, one. Yeah. David Crowder doesn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> and so to, to have these songs repeated monthly and then to listen to it on the Spotify account and, and add it to my own playlist and listen to those, by the end of the month, it is one of the most beautiful songs, and I can't wait to sing it again. And matter of fact, most of our anthems, by the end of the month, and you're excited for next month's anthem, yeah. I'm sad to see last month's right. anthem go because I have grown to love as you spend time with this song and, and read these words and let them just flow through you weekly and daily. It really changes your perspective on a lot of those songs. Well, and, you know, the podcast that, is called Words Matter. That is true. Yeah. And so when we sing songs, you know, that we want the words to matter in, in everything that we sing. So. And not not every not every anthem that we've sung is my favorite song. There's one I won't say which one it is, but there's one of the anthems that we did that I. Uh, everybody wants to know. You can't. You, everybody you, wants to know. You can't drop a crumb like that. By that I mean not. Josh and I want to know. Right. So <laughs> we are right Holy, now everybody. Holy Spirit, living breath of God is not my favorite musically. I, uh, it wasn't. It's not. I don't know how to explain it. Not that I I love the song, but it's not one that I go yes. Yeah. But the message behind that song is very worth us singing. We should sing that. Um, it's not that I don't dislike the song. I'm just saying if I had to pick which one I like the least, that's the one. Well, and we, we've taken songs and we've put them on our Spotify before, and you've said, I like this version, but that's not how we're going to do it, and how right. you've changed some of those things up for our congregation to make it a little easier to sing. And yeah. you've done that a little bit with this month's anthem. You've How have you changed that up a little bit? We all the way we listen to it on Spotify is probably a lot more peppier than we're going to sing it, um, and we're probably going to sing it slower later because uh, one of the one of the individuals in in the worship team mentioned, and I will not say who who name. was it, Garrett. Can't tell you. It's anonymist. Uh, said, "Hey, maybe we should slow this down because the words are really good, but they get lost in the tempo. They get lost in the upbeatness of it." So. And and we talked about that. Maybe some songs lend themselves to be sung differently. Yeah, some songs lend themselves to be. I mean, you can hear them in almost any genre. three or four different genres yeah. of music. And tempos, you know, it that's one of those mechanical things that I, I think uh, we can sometimes get lost in tempo. Um, some of us want more tempo. Some mm-hmm. of us want less tempo. But I think you have to measure it service by service, song by song, and be open and willing uh, to different tempos because it's not that we need to be hung up on tempo, but tempo can be helpful from time to time. So we need to be mindful of it for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that that lends itself to how you pace the service and and – this month's anthem is a better opening song than mm-hmm. last month's, which was Your Will Be Done, yeah. which was a beautiful response song because that was just perfectly put right there after the, the service as we're singing that out. And this one, I don't think would make a great response song. It's, not that it's, it probably, it's probably not going to be the first song we sing after the sermon because that's probably not an appropriate place for that. Appropriate or just, you, you know, 
appropriate as in yeah you're not well not yeah gonna, coming out of the yeah i think i think that, we that's could, not yeah. a, a song of response right yeah so whereas um like i said we've been doing these for several months and i noticed something in the month of january that was deeply encouraging in the amount of people that were just going out of their way to say your will be done is my new favorite yeah. song and it's encouraging to hear that. It's encouraging to hear it for, uh, pastorally from two perspectives. One, to know that people love that song. It's 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 beautifully written, yes. But the words of your will yeah. be done are just, they're articulate and they're biblical. And they have resolve to them. There's a resolve in that. There's a gospel resolution that ends with the church doing what the church is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, it, it pastorally... It's encouraging because uh, you see new songs taking root in people, not because it's a pop culture song, but you see it taking root in people because it's shaping them. That song is shaping them. So that's encouraging. um, Christ, Our Only Hope in Life and Death, Mm -hmm. that one, um, had an individual, they really were moved by the last verse um, and I can't think of the words to the last verse, but my, um, how's it go? That's the, that's the dead space that we don't want. Well, while he's looking those lyrics up, I'll take this time to remind our church that these anthems that we sing, we update our, our Spotify account weekly with the upcoming playlist. And that's something that I have grown to, to, to love. Matter of fact, my daughter asked every morning at the breakfast table, are these the songs we're singing on Sunday morning? Because as I'm reading and she's eating breakfast, we're listening to the upcoming worship songs for Sunday morning. And you can go back and listen to past months, um, songs, past months, playlist set by the month. So every month you can go back to October and listen to every song that we sang in October. And so those anthems that they have fallen in love with, they can go back to our Spotify account and, and, listen to those again and so the one that garrett's looking up right now yeah i totally got it wrong because it's not right no it's a it's a different song my well, we worth can, and my worth that, that's you, that's going to happen Anyways. a lot on this podcast so garrett getting it wrong but <laughs> anyway that's probably a good segue into uh uh letting people know that um we we want this podcast to be something that's helpful um uh, we can't we can't deal with everything in one hour on a Sunday morning, so we just want to offer a resource that's helpful and and we're going to get church people involved in it too. We want to we want to know some stories of people's lives and their testimonies, and so I'm looking forward to interviewing some people. To some extent, conversations that are already being happening, I mean, mm-hmm. they're already happening, yeah. right? Right. But not everybody gets to right. join in on those conversations. Yep. Yeah. And yep. so we can have that conversation in here. Yeah. Um, and other people sit in. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially in, probably in the last couple of months, we've had these conversations and I look around, I'm like, oh, I wish so-and-so would have been yeah. here to hear this. Or I'll have a conversation later that I can go back and go, we were just talking about this with this church member or with this staff member and being able to see where the heart of, of God's people are right now. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take that that time right now to go ahead and end this podcast and thank you guys for joining us uh, we'll be back in two weeks with our second podcast uh, right now we're looking at a bi-monthly that's bi is one so that's not tr- no bias two. no bias, bias two, two? Yeah. like a bicycle yeah. is bi- two wheels we have our first edit coming up yes Uni- so uh, <laughs> yeah our, our unimonthly yeah. no our bi-monthly <laughs> podcast where we'll our try to twice. to have these every twice of the month, twice every <laughs> of the times uh, we will have these podcasts up as uh, we continue uh, to grow 
in God and to grow together as, as God's church will send you on your way and remind you that words matter.